Hey, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. And I am back to the topic that I've covered before, but I'm going to keep on covering it. It's not my fault. The headlines just keep pouring in. And when there's headlines and articles as dumb as this one, I'm going to address it because A, it just irritates me. So this is kind of a good little outlet for me. And B, if it can help just one person break free of this victim mentality bondage, or if it can help somebody just look at something in a different manner, you know, take a different approach uh, from a perspective standpoint, then this is time well spent on my end because this stuff is just such an absolute joke. And if you've if you're a loyal listener, then you know the past couple episodes have been about wages and wage increases. Last episode was about, you know, the US had a uh, Census Bureau released the median income. So we talked about, you know, the, the median uh, income of, you know, $61,000. And in that episode, which I'd highly recommend you go and listen to, talked about a bunch of pathways to not only get to that $61,000 per year, but go above and beyond it. And in two of the three situations, college was not involved. And the one situation in which college was involved, it was community college, which, you know, as I'm sure, you know, community college always has a kind of that little stigma associated with it. But point of the last episode was, listen, this is the median. This is essentially the average income in America. And here are ways, here are real life stories of people not only getting to that number, but getting to that number and beyond and at relatively young ages. So it's not like to get to those numbers, you have to be in the workforce for 30, 40 years. Uh, but none of those involved college, save for that one community college example. And then we fast forward to the headline that, you know, as of the recording of this was just released. Uh, it came out uh, actually on a Saturday, September 22nd, and I, I really wanted to record it on a Saturday, but I was like, you know, I, I just put your thoughts together a little bit more, and we'll we'll talk about it on Monday. Um, so it is Monday as of the recording. I don't think I'll release it necessarily today, but in the very near future. And the title of this article is, Despite the Economic Recovery, Student Debtor, Debtors' Monster in the Closet Has Only Worsened. So here we are again talking about student loans and how they're getting bad. And off the get-go, I'm not denying that they're not bad. There are some really, really bad situations out there. But you got to approach things from a, well, let's kind of, was anybody forced into these bad situations? Could these bad situations have been avoided? Yes, they all could have been avoided. And it makes me wonder why these people chose what they did. And there's nothing worse than rushing into a situation and especially these situations that really do have real life implications. It's not like in school where, oh, you know, I got a bad grade. Ah, okay, well, my parents might, might get mad at me, but you know, it's just a bad grade. It's not like it affects any of your other areas of life um, you know, to get one bad grade. But if you make this one bad decision, like a lot of these people are, I mean, it literally can change your life. It can literally destroy your life, maybe uh, too dramatic, but it can alter your life and throw a, a big old munchy, monkey wrench into things. And you know that that's not what you want. You want to be smart with your life. You want to be smart with your money in the way you look at things. And you know this whole episode, this whole article, really illustrates the real life implications of how bad going to college actually can be. So last week's episode was how not going to college can actually be a very very good thing. Here we're talking about going to college and how it can be a bad thing. I've said this before because I don't want to get clumped in. I am not somebody that's sitting here saying that in 100% of the situations going to college is a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. 
But there are without question, and I will provide the proof here, so it's not my opinion, there are situations where going to college is a very, very stupid thing. Going to college is a very, very dangerous thing from a financial perspective, financial health you know, uh, you know, point viewpoint, because it can absolutely crush and alter your life in ways that you don't want it to be altered. Now, first, adding a little bit of context here, there's a part of uh, the article here, and I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it is pretty long, but the uh, an opening quote goes on to say, there's over 8 million people who are currently in default on their federal loans. It continues to be a large number, despite other improvements in the economy, says some uh, director of the Student Loan Borrower Assistance Project at the National Consumer Law Center, a nonprofit uh, you know, advocacy group. And then this is what just drives me nuts. I hope they didn't spend any money for this because it's pretty apparent to me what the, the problems are. And I don't say that in a way of because I'm so smart and because I'm just so sophisticated. No, understand a little bit of supply, understand a little bit of demand, and you can, um, no research, no study required. But that goes on to say, in a recent study, two researchers sought to understand why the student loan default rate has risen so sharply. Okay, I have, I have done zero research. My only research is just understanding how college works in general. But I know a lot of colleges will offer degrees for music, for dance, for all sorts of just kind of random things. You're like, really? They offer a degree for that. And a lot of these degrees cost a whole lot of money to get that degree. So just bear with me. And like I said, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not a researcher, okay? I'm, I'm not like sophisticated, but you know, I, I have also sought to understand how this could be the case, but I, I don't think it, it just takes a little bit of thinking. So defaults rise, meaning defaults you don't pay. So why would somebody not pay something? Well, Clay, probably because they, they can't afford to pay it. Hey, you know, I, I, I agree. So why can't they afford to pay something? Well, probably because they don't make enough money. Again, I would agree. That seems like we're, we're on the same pathway of common sense. Now, they can't pay because they're not making enough money to pay. So maybe, just maybe, the reason why more and more people can't pay for their student loans, hence the default rate increases, is because they spent money on a degree that is worthless or that just doesn't keep up with their debt. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I have no problem with debt when, when it comes to student loans, that is. What I and what you need to be focused is on the ability to pay that debt. Meaning if you are getting a degree that is not gonna give you the ability to take on or to pay for that debt, then you probably shouldn't be getting that degree or you probably should be going to a different school that's not gonna charge you as much for that degree. Like I said, I don't really need any research. This is just basic you know, kind of math, right? Okay, if I spend this much and this much is gonna require this sort of payment, are the jobs that I'm gonna be able to get because I spent that much, are, is that gonna be able to help me make the payment but also put food on the table and also keep the lights on and also keep some clothes on my back? Or is that payment just so big compared to what the type of jobs I'll be able to get that you know that might not be a very smart thing to do? Like I said, I'm saying this all facetiously because it's, it's very common sense. Why people go and spend hundred, well, you'll see the numbers here. Why you would spend that sort of, these sorts of numbers that you're gonna see on a degree that 
a lot of people have. Why are why are you shocked? Why why are these people surprised that? Well, you know, I can't make the payment. Well, no kidding, you can't make the payment, and hence the default rates are rising. But let's kind of just think about this a little bit more. And there's some quotes in here that are all about, well, you know, it's the college prices. Those those prices just keep going up. All they do is rise. I'm not gonna go and beat this dead horse too bad because I've done a podcast before uh, titled, you know, how I would fix the student loan problem and all that sort of stuff. But I, I love this quote. I love the way the guy explained it because it nails it to a T on, you know, college prices increasing and increasing. And, and I love how everybody and the media, you know, points all of those evil colleges, they just keep rising prices. No, that's, you're pointing the finger at the wrong person. Point the finger at the good old US of A government. I don't know who decided to have the government get into the student loan business, and I, I honestly don't. So whether that was some sort of democratic effort or Republican effort, um, I don't know, but whoever did it is, is just an idiot and they don't understand economics. They don't understand business. They've clearly never run a business because if you have a business, well, let me read the quote first because it perfectly summarizes it on uh, you know just the cost increases. But this person says, cost es escalation, so you know, rising prices, cost escalation, which would normally be met with consumer resistance. So in other words, you know, at some point, if prices keep going up as a consumer, you're just gonna say, no, I, I'm not gonna pay that. And why aren't you gonna pay that? Well, I, I don't have the money to pay for that. You just, you, you raise the price to this level and I, I, I literally don't have the money to pay for it, right? That's what consumer resistance is. Eventually, prices could get to a point where the consumer, the buyer, the customer is, is gonna throw up their hands and say, I don't, have, I don't have the money. I literally don't have the money to get, for, to get that. So that's what consumer resistance is. So we'll go back. Cost escalation, so rising prices, which would normally be met with consumer resistance, aka I don't have the money, is being facilitated by the easy availability of credit. Or in other words, because the government just says, yeah, we'll back student loans, all the colleges do and say, oh really? So I can raise my prices and my cons my customer is not gonna throw up their hand and say, I don't have any more money. Nope, they're not gonna do that because we're gonna give them the money. They will have the money. Then why wouldn't a for-profit business, why wouldn't a college just keep rising their prices then? If they know their consumer is not gonna throw up their arms and say, I can't pay it anymore, then why wouldn't they increase the prices? This is not rocket science, folks. If you are running a business and you have a customer that you know has unlimited funds essentially, you'd be an idiot not to raise the prices because you are in a for-profit business. So why wouldn't you be like, well, if they have unlimited cash, let's raise the prices some more. And that's exactly what the government has entailed because yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll back it. Yeah, we'll back, oh, prices went up again, that's right. Well, now you need this much? Here, yeah, we'll still give it to you. And up and up the prices go and up and up the student loans go because the government has decided, well, you know, we'll give you financial aid. And then all of a sudden you have these loans that keep getting bigger and bigger because prices keep going up. Whereas if you just said government, get out of here, that would fix a lot. And I'll just leave it at that because like I said, I have a whole other podcast on that where I go into how I would personally fix the problem. Because that's another thing. I realize I'm sitting here griping and complaining about things. But as I was always taught, well, if you're gonna complain about something and at least offer up a solution, and I have offered up a solution, um, and I go into that detail in another podcast. But I, I found that beautifully on, yeah, costs and really in any other situation in the world, people that keep on rising prices, eventually the consumer is gonna say, I'm done, I can't afford that anymore. But when it comes to the world of education, 
That doesn't exist because the government is there, you know, the way I put it, the easy availability of credit. Or in other words, yeah, we'll give you loans, we'll give you loans, and things just don't turn out well, and that's what's occurring here because as this article states, these defaults are on the rise that much higher, and you know, they keep on rising and rising. Now, I understand up until this point, it's just been a lot of my thoughts and opinions, but let's get into some actual nitty-gritty numbers from this article and true life stories. Last week, it was true life stories of people that didn't go to college, but are making you know $70,000 a year, no college debt at age 22, 23, 24, you know, young ages. Now we're gonna be kind of looking at the opposite end of things, and um, so let's assign some real life values. Now this little subset section is uh, titled Distrust and Interest. Colette Simon borrowed $200,000 in private and federal loans to attain her doctorate degree at the Michigan School of Professional Psychology in the early 2000s. Now, now, I'm not necessarily saying that's bad to pay $200,000 for that degree. However, remember, it's the what? It's the ability to pay back the debt. So this person I, I clearly didn't think, you know what, if I spend $200,000, what kind of jobs am I gonna be able to get? Are, are those jobs gonna give me the ability to pay back this debt? She clearly skipped that step, let's go on. After graduation, her, oh my goodness, her student loan bill was around $1,600. She tried to make those payments, but with entry-level salaries, it was difficult. Again, I really wish you would have you know, done a little research, Miss Simon, in terms of your ability to pay the debt, because well, yeah, it sounds like those jobs that that got you did not give you the ability, and it was difficult. She repeatedly postponed the loan payments. Okay, and this is where things skyrocket because when you postpone things, things get nasty. Why? Well, let's continue. Causing the balance to grow even more, thanks to interest. Just because you postpone things doesn't mean that's like, okay, that's cool, that's fine. We won't charge you any interest, nope. No, they're gonna charge you interest. At one point, Remember, it started off at $1,600. At one point, her bill was as high as $5,000 a month. She eventually stopped paying her private loans. They wouldn't negotiate beyond a certain amount, Simon said, which I didn't have. This is real life stuff, listeners. If you happen to be in high school, oh, this is, I hope, I just go out there. If you don't believe me, just run some Google searches for this sort of stuff. Please, be wise. In, if you are gonna even go to college, be wise, do your research, ask yourself the question, do you have the ability to make payments on whatever sort of cost it's going to take? Because if you don't, this is the exact start sort of stuff that can happen to you. So let's keep on going. She has paid around $90,000 of the debt by now, but it, get this, but it has ballooned to more than $400,000. Started off at 200,000, but because of all these delayed payments and this, that, and the other, it has ballooned 100% more, now to $400,000. The 65-year-old woman fears the government will soon garnish a portion of her social security. Well, I mean, you, you took the money out, you owe the money. Um, maybe I'm just not sympathetic enough, but nobody forced you to spend $200,000 on a degree that apparently did not give you the ability to pay it. She says the horror, now this is where my blood, my blood pressure may or may not start to rise. She says the whole, whole ordeal has left her disillusioned with the country. If you wanna get ahead, you have to go into debt, Simon said. 
And then the whole debt structure is rigged to make sure you're never going to get out of it. Really, I was not aware that the government, I was not aware that the country, I was not aware that anybody forced you to spend $200,000 on that degree. Not to mention a degree that apparently doesn't pay very well. Did, did this, the system force you to do that? Now, does the system have high college prices? Sure it does, but don't be pointing the, don't be pointing the finger where you are. I mean, go write your local congressman or woman. They're the ones that are, hey, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for whatever. But whatever happened to the thing of, well, you know what, maybe I should just start a little smaller, not pay $200,000. Again, plenty, plenty, plenty of stories and data of people not going to college, aka not getting any debt, and they're doing just fine. I keep referencing it, but I want to because there's a nice flow of things here with the way the headlines have worked out over the past few weeks, where last week it was just the exact opposite of all the success stories of people because they didn't go to college, and now we're looking at horror stories of people that did. But the whole debt structure is rigged. No, it's not rigged. It's very straight, straight, transparent. If you take this amount of money at this interest rate, that's what your payment's gonna be. Now, I go over all this in detail, and I don't wanna turn this into a sales plug, but I do offer a, a, a training course, the Slab Money Method, where I talk about personal finances and making sure you're, you're taking on life in an educated way. And there's a one-hour section where I break down how to choose college, how to choose uh, you know, a, a degree, how to choose a major. And these are just very surface, you know, surface deep points that I'm talking about. But I mean, as a you know, former process engineer, I mean, I step by step by step, do this, and then check this, and then look at that. And I assure you, nothing is rigged. That's the point here. For her to call things rigged is just ignorance. It is not rigged. You can literally plan out everything. All the information is available to you. So don't blame the structure. Don't imply things are rigged when nothing is rigged. The only, you rigged it yourself when you decided to spend $200,000 on this degree. Many student loan borrowers today express resentment and distrust towards their lenders and the companies that administer federal loan programs. Well, isn't that nice? It, the, the culture of it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. It's the lender's fault. No, I, I know lending rules. They are, they're required to disclose interest rates. They're required to, um, uh, they're to disclose loan terms, all that sort of stuff. You cannot hide that. Those are some regulations that I, I do agree with. Is hey, If you're gonna take a loan, the loaner has to give you everything up front with how things are gonna be structured. So I don't know who those people are mad at. None of this stuff was hidden from them. Now, did they not look for it? Did they not ask about it? That's a different question, but that's not on the lenders. Uh, you know, That's not their problem. There is a little bit of shadiness going on, and I say a little bit, but it, it circles back to the whole idea behind this podcast and behind the, the whole idea behind moneywithclay.com to offer good structured information, good structured logical ways of thinking for very, very fair prices so that you can't be taken advantage of like these people were. I don't agree with this business practice, but there is power in knowledge. There is power in having a system and a strategy to approach situations, life decisions such as, huh, what should I do for college? How much should I spend for college? Because this does go on to say that uh, a recent government report found that some schools hire companies that don't present student loan borrow borrowers with their best options. But my counterpoint to that is, if you have a the proper strategy going in, if you have a, the right steps and you know what to be looking for, what to be asking, then you're gonna get to your best option. 
But when you just totally show up ignorant, when you totally show up and say, hey, you tell me what to do. You tell me what I can afford. You tell me, you tell, how about I tell you what I can afford and then you give me the options that are gonna fit that. That's how you, sh- and that goes for anything, whether, you, especially if you're house shopping. Don't go to a, to a mortgage lender and say, well, you know, here are my numbers. You tell me how much I can afford. What a lazy way to approach something. You should be showing up to that mortgage lender and saying, this is what I can afford. This is my uh, monthly, ma- this is the payment that I'm gonna be willing to pay. And that's that. Oh, well, I guess the mortgage company's not gonna be able to lend you out as much money as maybe. But it's up to you. Look in the mirror. That You have to show up and you have to say, this is my best option, this is what I want. Not, okay, you just tell me what to do. Again, that's really shady, that's really crappy that uh, you know people are, well, I guess to be fair, all this is just uh, allegations right now, so none of this has been proven. But uh, uh, let's see, the Bureau Across uh, Navient, which is this uh, loan servicing company, of staring struggling borrowers towards multiple postponements of their loans instead of income-driven repayment plans. But still, staring. Staring meaning, well, here, why don't you come over here and do this? Hey, why don't you come? No, you should show up and you should not, there should be no staring that occurs because you know your numbers, you know what you need, you know what you want, and it is what it is. And again, that's all possible. And I realize this completes, it's, it's, I'm not meaning for it to sound like a sales pitch, but that's what I offer in the course is for you to be able to show up in 100% control. And you know, if you don't purchase, that, that's totally fine, that's not the idea. But just understand, get the mentality in your head that you know what, I need to have a strategy. I need to be the one that's in charge when I show up to these places and not just depend on them to tell me what to do. Because yeah, apparently there's always bad apples out there, right? And here are some bad apples where um, people were being stared in the wrong direction. Are all these companies gonna be steering you in the wrong direction? I'm not saying that at all, but apparently they exist and it just further proves on why, look at the person in the mirror, that person needs to be fully in charge. Here we have another uh, example where um, uh, we have some just, like I said, real life stuff, real numbers and horror stories. And the one thing to keep in mind is notice how this student loan kind of evil little fingers have crept into other areas of the person's finances. So it's, you got to keep in mind that not only does it, well, Clay, you keep saying it's not good for your financial health. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it can affect other, here's a, a perfect example of how a student loan is now branching out into many other areas. Uh, in this person's case, a, a living situation. So here we go. There is some math that haunt, there is some math that haunts Dallas Benson, a 48 year old mother of two. The monthly rent for her two-bedroom house in North Carolina is around $1,100. She has lived there for just four years and has already paid her landlord about $50,000. She recently checked the home's value. It's only worth about $100,000. It's heartbreaking, Benson said. If that could have gone into owning the house, life would be incredibly different. I agree. That's why build equity, build equity. And when you're renting, you are not building equity. You are building equity for somebody else. So, so far, I, I agree with her thought process. That's really bad. She's paid $50,000 and has gotten nothing for it in return other than a place to live. But as far as equity, nothing. But with $600,000 in student loans, finding a landlord who would rent to her was hard. Well, why, I, I, I can understand that. As somebody that is in real estate, that would be very hard. If I were to pull up somebody's 
uh, income, which is totally normal if, if you're looking to rent or you know try to buy a house and somebody sees, oh, say, wow, $600,000. So that means your monthly payment is this. And then all of a sudden that starts to distort the payments and people are like, sorry, we can't qualify you for a loan because that student loan over there is totally distorting and disrupting and corrupting everything else about your finances. Benson and her ex-husband's student loan debt, which started at around $150,000 in the 90s, has ballooned from interest and late fees. Think about this. It started at around 150. It's now 600,000 late fees, not paying it. What, what have I been saying? What do I want you to get through your head? I have nothing wrong with investing into your education, but you better make sure that investment, that cost gives you the ability to pay it or else, guess what? It's not like that loan stays the same. As we saw now in two separate occasions, because of interest, because of late fees, because of all this you know, mathematical dynamics around the loan, it expands. And this one expanded to 600,000. But here we go, because there's still that question out there. But okay, she spent, you know, $150,000, give or take, to get this degree. But I mean, what was, I mean, what, what, what was the degree in? That, the article has not told us that part. Did she have the ability to pay for the degree? And here we go. She studied sociology at the University of Texas at San Antonio and is now a government property manager. Listen, if you love the topic of sociology, that's awesome. Great, that's good for you. I'm not making fun of you at all. But apparently, according to this story, spending $150,000 to get a degree in sociology does not give you the ability to pay back $150,000 or whatever it was. And because of that, maybe sociology should just remain some sort of hobby. Maybe you should look at something else that's going to give you the ability to pay back $150,000. You could always say, well, what happens if I pay less than $150,000 for sociology? Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe you can make it work out that way. But apparently in this situation, spending $150,000 for a sociology degree was just, did not give uh, you know, this person the ability to pay back the loan. Again though, none of this was rigged against her. All this information is available. There is a, a strat strategy, there's a thought process out there. And you know what, in some cases, you know, I, I do feel bad because the school, and that again, this is why I do this. The school system in this country is such a joke at this point when it comes to college. They don't teach anybody how to do any sort of critical thinking and how to say, you know what? Maybe I should check on the ability to repay this based on what sort of job I can get. Nope, it's, hey, follow your dreams, go to college, follow, just do what makes you happy. Well, this person did what made them happy, they spent $150,000 for sociology, and now to, pick on, to keep on going, think about it, they're, they spent $50,000 on, on rent and all that, and they have zero equity in a piece of real estate. Buying a car is too difficult. I have nothing saved up for retirement at all, Benson said. I look to the future and I feel like I'm going to be that 80 year old woman saying, hi, welcome to Walmart. And the article essentially ends right there. And that's, that's a sad story, it really is. Mother of two and everything has just totally gone against her. But it, it's just, please, you gotta take this stuff seriously, especially as a younger person if you happen to be listening to this. If you are an older person, you're thinking to go back to school, take this stuff seriously you gotta figure out, is it actually worth paying what you're about to pay to get the job that you're about to potentially get? And if it's not, 
things are gonna get nasty, nasty, nasty. From real estate, you know, building somebody else's equity to having it be very, very difficult to buy a car. This person, what age did they say? She's 48, has zero saved up for retirement. I mean, that that's not good. That is not good at all. And it all starts with this whole thing of, well, in life, you gotta go to college to get ahead. And that's, that's true, kind of. Now, if notice, nowhere did any of these people say, you know, and they got a degree in some sort of engineering, or they got a degree in nursing, or they got a two-year degree in, I don't know, dental hygienist, which by the way, ch do some research. Two-year degree, two to three-year degree for dental hygienist? Oh my goodness, talk about show, getting out with very, very little debt and great paying jobs. Dental hygiene, at least at this time, there is a job market for it. I mean, check that out. But nowhere did you see, I mean, and I don't wanna bash these degrees, but I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Psychology and sociology. Y you gotta put a little bit more critical thinking into this because I don't want you to turn out like this. You know, I, I, I genuinely don't. And that's why I'm doing this. Just, I don't even know if people listen to these, but it makes me feel better to know that at least I'm out there offering up some, some different thinking points for people rather than all the crap that high school's you know, forced on you and the mainstream media about, well, you gotta go to college, but it's the college's fault because their prices are going up. Well, you know, it is what it is in that situation. And, but you know, you, you gotta just, and I realize I'm rambling on right now, but this stuff, it really does bother me because you see this and then you see this victim mentality of, oh, it's the country's fault, everything's rigged against you. No, it's time to take personal responsibility, people. It's time to look in the, the, the mirror and say, I need to approach this with, with some critical thought. I need to approach this in a strategic method and I can help you with that. And you know what, I don't even care. I will, this is a sales pitch, I guess, at this point, because I know it's gonna work. I know what I teach works. And that's not empty words, the slab money method, which I'm talking about, there's a reason why I give a one year money back guarantee. Not like a week, not 30 days, one year, it works. And one of the sections, like I said, I, I talk about how to approach credit cards, how to approach home buying, how to approach uh, car buying, how to approach college. And the college is the longest of them all because it's so important. Because as you see here, if you screw it up, you screw up your life, like literally. So I spend, you know, that's definitely the longest one. And, you know, there, but just check it out, you know, and because um, it works and I'm confident it works. It worked for me. It helped me. It's how I paid off $163,000 in debt. But it's also the same exact thought process and such that I used to go to school, to graduate from school debt free and, you know, all that. But, you know, you got to have a system. And if you don't have a system, that's fine. But you know what? At least you're admitting you don't have a system. That's the first step is in admitting you don't have the system. You have now a, a possible solution. I get it. I'm just some random person on a podcast and I'm charging money for a course. Um, and I get it. That sounds sketchy and I'm not offended. But there is a solution if you want to take that leap of faith. And again, there's not really much leap of faith required given it comes with a, a one-year money-back guarantee. But I hope you check it out. Uh, if you don't, if anything you take away from this, understand that there are true life consequences that come about when you're not smart with your decision-making process, especially when it comes to debt and student loan debt because these loans are going to keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just a fact of the matter. So be aware of it. Um, and you know, if you know, like I said, step one, it could just be a, you know admitting 
that you don't quite have a system in place. And I'm not necessarily saying that from a college loan perspective, but maybe just personal finances. You feel like your, your tires are spinning the mud, you don't quite have a system. Like I said, you can check out what I have to offer. If not, you know, remember, step one is just admitting you don't have a system and then it's up to you to start to correct it from there. But you know, it's up to you to correct it. You need to be in charge. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there, and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the slab money method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.